3: Everybody and welcome to Billboard on Broadway. I am your host, Rebecca Milzoff, uh, Senior Editor at Billboard. And for those of you who have listened to us before, welcome back. For those of us tuning in for the first time, uh, this is a podcast where we explore the increasing overlap between the world of musical theater and pop music and pop culture. Uh, so... When we talk about new musicals on Broadway, uh, some musicals announce their newness immediately. When we heard about Hamilton, we immediately knew that the music would be hip hop and that it would be something we had never you know, heard or seen before. Going back to musicals like Rent, that were some of the first rock musicals, those were pretty obviously going to be different. Uh, but sometimes new musicals on Broadway, uh, what makes them contemporary is a little bit more subtle and uh, this musical that we're gonna talk about today is one of them. Um, Bandstand uh, takes place in 1945, and its plot sounds very familiar. It's about a singer-songwriter and his band who are trying to win a contest uh, to be the next big American singing s- sensation. Uh, it's 1945, so that means uh, doing something on the radio, but. Hearing the plot of Bandstand makes me immediately think of things like American Idol, uh, The Voice, uh, particularly The Voice, since back in the 40s, uh, certainly no one saw your face when you were singing on the radio. Um, and just makes me think of how uh, the idea of competing to be some sort of singing star is something that has is really American and uh, has been a desire of artists, you know, through many, many years. Um, it also ties in particularly to the experience of one of the stars of the show, Laura Osnes. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Laura because some years back she won, uh, I believe, the only big Broadway reality competition that has happened on uh, major network TV. Uh, she was on a show called Grease, You're the One That I Want, where she competed to uh, win the role of Sandy in a revival of Grease on Broadway, and she did, and she uh, amazingly, she's had um, quite a career since then. She's become one of the, the big Broadway ingenues, and she's had many leading roles, and she's been in Cinderella, South Pacific, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, so, um, and this musical in particular too is a great example of how uh, a composer can take a theoretically really vintage sound, uh, like Swing in the 40s, and update it so that it sounds um, relatable to a contemporary audience. Uh, The composers of Bandstand, uh, Richard Oberacker and Robert Taylor, uh, have talked about the fact that they listen to everything from Leonard Bernstein to what's on the radio now when thinking about the sound of the show. So uh, Laura and uh, her co-star Corey Cott, who some of you might know from Newsies or from Gigi, And Richard and Robert uh, came into the office recently to chat with me about Bandstand. And here's our conversation. So we're here with the actors and writers of Bandstand, a new musical about to open on Broadway. Um, Rob, why don't you give us just quickly a sense of the story of Bandstand quickly for those who don't know anything about it yet.
2: Okay, Bandstand is set in 1945 in Cleveland, Ohio, and during the months immediately following the end of the war. And it's about, young vet and singer-songwriter named Donnie Nowitzki who has just returned from the war and um, is feeling as if the world he left almost four years ago is now kind of passing him by Um, and when he's at his lowest point um, feeling like he's about to give up on his dreams of a performing career he hears an announcement about an NBC Radio National Broadcast competition to find uh, the best new swing band in America, and the winner of this competition will have the chance to be featured in a new MGM Motion Picture musical, and that's what sets this whole story in motion: is him going for that dream and trying to win that contest.
3: Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of funny to think about a time when someone could win a radio contest and become a star, uh, considering you know radio is very different today. But it's almost like a very early version of the Voice. It's like mm-hmm. the Voice the exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, w- I mean, what did you guys learn about what these radio contests were like uh, back then? I mean, did they did people really emerge from them becoming stars?
1: Yeah, we uh, we did a lot of research on the era obviously Um, and then of course you have to leave that a little bit behind and create your own story but talent contests and instant stardom has been a part of American culture since the beginning of American culture. Mm -hmm. So radio contests then were the same as what television contests are today. Talent, discovering new talent, young kids, um, even ventriloquists, which is hilarious, you know, Mm -hmm. on a radio. And yet somehow the American public bought into that. They used their imaginations. and um, So everything that is happening now uh, really in some form, in a gentler form, was happening then.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, You were talking a little bit before during the performance about this sort of influence of a pop sound on the score and Mm -hmm. I think that the show is a great example to me of the challenge of taking something that has sort of a vintage and throwback vibe and making it feel modern and I'm curious to hear both as performers and as writers how do you take something that is so swing influenced and from the 40s and make it feel you know not musty on a Broadway stage because listening to you guys you're right it sounds like pop ballads that we could hear on the radio today.
1: Yeah, it's it's just like putting a recipe together, really. Um, we did the research as writers, Rob and myself, just in terms of what was actually happening then, what the vocabulary was, and just like an actor, you know, you study the time period and you study the way people talked and the way people thought and what they ate and what they wore and then you just have to live in it and um, the whole purpose of Bandstand in a way is to take this era and some of these traditions from the classic movie musicals and Broadway musicals of the golden age and say what would the truth be behind it so you might recognize something like hey let's put a band together and join a contest or see if we can make it in New York City but what Bandstand does is say what were the people who really had to do this really going through and so that was really our our doorway into permission to use contemporary vocabulary so that an audience could really feel and connect with these performers and say hey yeah people who were my grandparents um, or before they lived and loved and cursed and mm-hmm. uh, got angry in the same way that we do today.
4: Mm-hmm. I I was going to say, there are numbers in the show where the the band plays on stage. The characters mm-hmm. in the band actually play their instruments, and a lot of those songs kind of tip their hat more to sounding, I would think, like the swing era, um, and then there are other songs mm-hmm. like the Donnie Nowitzki that still have elements of that in there but mm-hmm. can afford to be have that slight, some contemporary sound to them. And same with our duet. Um, And then Andy Blankenbuehler, our director, is a genius. He's so hip (laughs) that anything he does, even, I feel like he's stayed true to the era in his style of dancing, but it all moves so quickly, and it also is just so cool. It's suddenly, it's going to make this era cool again. Not that it ever wasn't cool. I think people really have this feeling of nostalgia toward, you know, the 40s specifically. And sure. he's definitely making it feel very relevant and current and alive and exciting.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I remember not that long ago when I was in high school that there was this like swing resurgence with singers yeah. mm-hmm. and ska and everything. And it's definitely come in and out of the pop music landscape a lot in the past, you know, a couple of decades. Um, what is it like for you two to have the band on stage? Because I would think that the two of you have been in Various, you know, very grand classic musicals, and you're used to having a big pit underneath you. Mm -hmm. How does it affect how you perform? Like, do you feel a little more like a rock star?
5: Yes, (laughs) 100%. I've never been in a band before, so um, (laughs) I suddenly feel cool in that way. Uh, But it adds this, it adds this. I mean, there's musical theater is a convention of acting, singing, and dancing, and then all of a sudden you throw and a band on stage that is integral to the story. I mean, the, our story wouldn't exist without an onstage band. And a lot of shows these days will use the pit um, on stage or have you, you get to experience the show while watching the actual musicians play. But our show differs in the sense that our, our uh, we couldn't exist without the band actually playing the instruments. So there's a whole other dramatic layer to how we express what these guys are going through. And to speak a little bit about what Richard and Robert were talking about earlier about um, the idea of swing and the nostalgia it brings. There's yes, there's you. You listen to a song from the '40s, and there's immediately you immediately just have an impression of what that is. There's that scratchy mm-hmm. quality to it. There's uh, a certain uh, horn and rhythm section feel to it that just makes sense. But what our show, I think. What's revolutionary about it is it takes that and it explores all of the darker substances underneath it that are beyond just what the happy go lucky, uh, you know, one four five chord structure is or whatever mm-hmm. whatever was the, the the formula that makes that sound nostalgic and wonderful. weeks ex- the, these guys have done amazing work in uncovering what's really underneath that, what's un- what's underneath those lyrics, and what's really what are these guys really writing? Why are they writing these songs this way? Um, and so. Exploring that dramatic uh, layer with having a band on stage is a, is a process I think we'll, we won't ever fully figure out. We'll, we'll <laughs> hopefully do the show for 10 years and, uh, right. and still not have figured out how all of that plays together because there's just so many, there's so much there.
4: Because we and, also do have a pit band.
1: Oh yeah, there's a full
5: oh orchestra. Well, there's and everywhere. <laughs> Corey is leaving a major
1: component out, and that is that he plays the man who puts the band together, who plays the piano, who is the band leader, who writes the music. And Corey played the piano in sort of another lifetime as you explained yeah, it to like us. 15 years and ago. <laughs> we basically said are you willing to go back to the keyboard and, and exercise these muscles and get these chops up to a level that you can convince a Broadway audience that you are this amazing pianist and that you can lead this band and that you wrote this music, not Rob and I, but you. Mm -hmm. And um, he's being very modest because I have to say, as somebody who does, in fact, do that for a living, Mm -hmm. um, to go from casting this man and then seeing where he was at first rehearsal, and then seeing where he was in Paper Mill when we did the show last year, and now again it's kind of like I... It's jaw-dropping. It's jaw-dropping. It's I didn't do that kind of practicing when I was at my peak. Um, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's, the worth amount, it. it's, it's worth it.
5: The ro- when, when a good role is written, when a good character and a good story is written, actors do this all the time for stuff they believe in, and I believed sure. in the show from the beginning, from the very first time I read the script, I said, I have to do that and I'll do whatever, if I have to lose 50 pounds or, you know, like (laughs) actors do this kind of stuff all the time and it's... And it's, yeah, it, it did require a lot of work and three hours a day of practicing and all that stuff, but I, I only did it because I cared about the character that that Richard Robb Rob created, and to get to work with Laura is it's pretty, pretty yeah. awesome, <laughs> too.
4: He's great, wait till you come see it, though. It's like you're getting to do something that you have not seen Cory Cott do on stage before. Seems- In more ways than just the piano playing, like it's brilliant, it's really <laughs> it great. so
3: hard to me to, to play piano and be doing it well, and also like acknowledge that you have an audience in front of you and yes. that you have to project in that way too.
5: Yes, yes, it's very hard. Yeah, I mean, uh, acting and singing alone is difficult <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and doesn't like it come playing. naturally Multitasking
3: is just hard in general.
5: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's humbled, it's humbled all, all of us a lot. I think we realize what's the responsibility we have and mm-hmm. what's, what's expected of us and telling the story and so there's no ego. It's coming in willing to fail every day and have a good
2: time. So And there's, it
4: feels like a band. Like yeah. we're that, you that's know, the you thing bond is, together this, doing things like that.
2: There's this incredible bond between mm-hmm. yep the two of you and the rest of the band that is is really true. It's so it's very, mm-hmm. true. very true. It's very true.
3: I was going to say, having seen Laura just perform with, like, fists to the air, I feel like this is a side of you that I've never seen before. Yeah. This is kind of, like, sexy, <laughs> badass Laura Osnes. But we, <laughs> yeah, she, go- you know? she goes there. You know,
4: my character is a war widow. You know, she's young, and she's already gone through that in her life, and it's not the same as going off to war at that age, which I can't even imagine. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. But we're trying to pay homage to what these people went through and their mm. stories and it's it's really moving and incredible and in that song um that i sing, it's actually it's a poem that she wrote that donnie set to music and so it's healing for both of them it's her finally getting to share that and then co-create with someone who set the words that she wrote to music for her to sing like it's a very kind of Full circle moment, and I feel like that song really does it justice. She gets to wail, she gets to kind of let it out and realize so many things. There are a lot of layers to it, it's beautiful.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, you said you'd never, you know, sung with a band before. Did the two of you take anyone as inspiration in terms of like being a front woman, being a front man, in terms of sort of the energy you want to bring?
6: Um,
4: well, yes, we did do, um. I had there were a lot of photos in my dressing room, and we've watched clips. Luckily, we live in an age where like YouTube, like Judy Garland singing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. things like that, you can go back and watch. Like you know, Billie Holiday, people that went and sang. You know, during this era, and yeah, absolutely inspired. At the end of the day, I can't beat any of those women, so I have to also remember that that's in the back of my brain but at the end of the day I'm Laura and I have to bring a bit of myself to you know mo- most of myself to this character too but knowing all of that in the back and aiming for the feel and the again the nostalgia and that's that vocal quality that you know those women had absolutely
5: mm-hmm. yeah I've I've watched a lot of piano players actually and and performers of the air but you know like people like um, it's funny in my first song I make fun of Frank Sinatra. I don't want to be like Frank Sinatra. I want to be mm-hmm. a, a cooler, a much cooler and more artistically uh, a, a fulfilled person than him. Um, but not that he wasn't great. He's the chairman. But you know, people, people like uh, watching a lot of pianists, like you know, Oscar Peterson and cool. um, Stan Kenton, and and then other instrumentalists. You know, f- all the swing greats like Benny Goodman and and, and Tommy Dorsey and Glenn Miller, and and uh, you watch those. There's there are endless YouTube clips you can watch. And then contemporarily, we've talked about Andy's. Blank talked about Donny being the the Justin Timberlake of today, or uh, <laughs> Bruno Mars in a way, or um, uh-huh. um, even watching Ryan Gosling in La La Land. Something mm-hmm. you know, the, this effortlessly uh, ch- charming uh, band leader, 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 yeah, leader of the pack, who doesn't? I mean, doesn't always come naturally to him. He has to work to figure it out, and he's damaged in a lot of ways. But that's what he's. That's what he hopes hopes to end up being by the end of the show.
4: So. But a lot of people would have a dream and never go for it, and mm-hmm. like Donnie's going to go yeah, for it. Donny's going to at survive. all costs. It's life or death. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
3: And he's
5: going to make everyone around him believe that it's worth it.
4: Too. Yeah. And I have
3: to say, like Laura, this. Calls to mind to me how you first came to prominence. I mean,
4: yes, really, it like, often does to me as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, for the
5: record, I voted for Laura as <laughs> you know.
3: I love Laura so too. To for, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, Laura was on a competition called Greece, You're the One That I Want, which I watched religiously at the time. <laughs> yes, thank um, you. A, a television competition. You and to, three other people. You and Corey. <laughs> watching, and <laughs> uh, my mom. <home.
1: laughs>
3: <laughs> um, to win the roles of Sandy and Danny in Great Greece on Broadway. And Laura has just, like, shot to fame since then. And it's, like, it's a it's a really amazing story, I think. And, I mean, Thanks. you know what it is to, you know, just go out on a limb like that yeah. and see what happens. And it worked out for you. It was <laughs>
4: funny. You know, there's a new thing where it's, like, oh, th- we're going to take a photo. And, you, oh, you have to pay for it yourself to get to New York. Like, there's this whole scene where they kind of are going through the legalities of, you know, winning. I don't want to give too much away. But, like. And I was very much like, yeah, they. That's how it was. <laughs> like, they, it was like, great, you won this competition. See you in New York, June first for rehearsal. And it was like, wait, what? Wait, I have to get. I have to get myself. How do I find an apartment? I don't know. I don't. I don't have money. Like, what am I? I'm 21. I was 21. So, like, yes, it was. It, I'm often reminded of that as well. Obviously, it turned out to be. And was an amazing experience for me. It had opened a huge door and put me on the map and made my dream come true. And um, this is, you know, I've always wanted to be on Broadway since I was like three years old. So the fact mm-hmm. that the prize was a lead in a Broadway show, I think that's why I went for it in the first place. And I'm so grateful that it happened. And I've continued to use that as a launching pad to move on to greater more fulfilling things. (laughs) Yeah, 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 no,
3: it's a great story. Um, You mentioned Andy before, and I wanted to ask about working with him. Um, Andy Blankenbuehler was the choreographer of Hamilton, and this is quite a difference for him, I would think, and he's directing. Um, So what- And choreographing. And choreographing. He's like the most amazing choreographer, I think. Um, So what, when you say that he brought kind of like a hip energy to this, like, tell me a little bit more about that.
5: Uh, Okay, so, Andy's continuously exploring the idea of how do you physicalize things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and and I know that sounds really, really, really general. But Andy is never satisfied with convention. Like there's always something to be discovered that hasn't been discovered. So we were talking about this yesterday. How do you physicalize? and put into action just a simple, the simple idea of Donnie writing four chords. I mean you could just show my character sitting at a piano coming up with four chords or you could invent some sort of crazy, uh, a huge, wonderful, luscious idea with all the dancers incorporating that idea of what that mm-hmm. feels like. So. And he's willing to, w- w- he stages the swing numbers as if they are the most sizzling, uh, sexy, hot swing numbers you've ever seen in the convention of swing music. But it's the other moments, the transitions, the moments that are outside of the, actual the band performing that really brings the show together. And there is this amazingly inventive quality to the way that he just thinks about moments and songs mm-hmm. and how a bunch of guys tapping can can um, open, the psychological door for what a guy's going through after he he's preparing lunch for his kids after coming home from war you know there's mm-hmm. the he he pairs uh, and parlays a lot of different ideas together that wouldn't uh, and in someone else's eyes and frame of mind wouldn't make sense and wouldn't go together and he somehow Makes them like have a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. It's really bizarre, mm. and mm-hmm. it's it's hard even to talk about. It. You kind of have to witness it. Yep. But he, um, I, I'm not doing the best job, but no, so, you, so please uh, someone you're else it help really me.
4: Well. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I. No. You can't say it better. He's, he has this vision in his brain that we all just want to like get on board with. He's it's such like, a good leader. He's an amazing leader, and he's so positive in the room and very collaborative. But also just you can see his wheels always spinning. I I told him the other day he was like. I was watching because there was a dance number I'm not in and I'm watching and I'm watching him watch everybody and he kind of does this stare so that he can see everything peripherally. Because literally when the thing was <laughs> over, he was like, okay, if you can come in two seconds later, blah, 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 and he gave like four notes about things all over the stage. And I was like, how do you see that? He just has a gift, he has an incredible gift and he's I'm so excited for what yeah, he has and to and The bring. interesting
1: thing is I've known Andy for 30 years this year. Whoa. We knew each other in high school. And he was always like, Richard, we should do something together. I was like, Andy, we should do something together. And uh, we kept in touch, obviously, at the beginnings of our careers. He was a you know, he was, a he was an ensemble guy. Mm-hmm. And he was a classic dancer. He was, uh, like, in my eyes, he was like Gene Kelly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, he, we, we did a tour of an Andrew Lloyd Webber concert um, with a big symphony and a big bandstand and his huge feature as a dancer was this enormous swing duet with uh, another dancer named Nancy Lemeninger, who's a fantastic dancer, and they just burned the floor. Mm-hmm. So I've always known Andy Blankenbuehler as this tap genius and Gene Kelly. So when he broke through in the industry within the Heights as this hip-hop guy, I was laughing my butt off a little bit (laughs) because I was like, how did Andy Blankenbuehler learn to hip-hop? Like, that is so not the man that I know. Uh And we would stay in touch. He was like, yeah, I know. It's kind of this new world I've fallen into, but we should do something. So when Rob and I started writing Bandstand, I was like, I'm writing this for Andy because... never knowing if this would ever pan out, but as kind of a private joke. Like, I think it's hilarious that I'm writing something for the Andy that I know and that the world doesn't know, but it's the Andy that's been around for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I sent it to him, he was like, holy mackerel, finally, after all this time, we're going to do this together. So to see him meld uh, his new life that the industry knows and celebrates with the world that he came up through, um, to see him put that together is... It's genius. And I think people are going to, as much as people are going to be kind of floored by that side of Andy, Mm they're going to be floored by a lot of things. It's mm-hmm. like Laura, what Laura has been sitting on for many years, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, she plays these princesses and, it's, and Sandy and Greece, <laughs> and it's astounding, but there is a world under there that's waiting to get out of emotion and depth and clarity and maturity. Um, and it's, there are a lot of things like that in the show that people think they know these artists, these creators, these creatives, um, and they're in for an enormous mm-hmm. surprise.
3: Excellent. Well, I'm excited to see it. So, does that mean there will be tapping?
1: There um, will be tap. There will There's be tapping. Everything you could ever want in a musical. Yes. There will be tapping. Everything.
5: Yes. There will
3: be tapping, the yes. tagline. <laughs> <laughs> stand, stand, They will be tapping. Yes. Love it. Um, awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming in, all you. Thank you. Thank you, thank love you. Thank so, you so much. much.
2: But this is life, not a scripted cliche. So, it's best that we say. good
5: night.
3: if this conversation made you want to see Bandstand which I hope it did uh, it's going to be opening on Broadway April 26th and as always for more extensive musical theater coverage at Billboard you can go to billboard.com Broadway check out our Broadway vertical uh, you can find this podcast every week on iTunes. And we hope you'll come back as uh, we gear up for more and more theater coverage over the course of pre Tony season. Thanks, guys.